You're listening to the From Hostage to Hero podcast, episode number 217. When you're up against a hostile room of people who don't want to be there, you need real strategies that get results. Welcome to From Hostage to Hero, the show that gives you practical advice you can use right now in the courtroom, boardroom, or classroom. Learn how to move your unwilling audience to one that is invested in what you're saying, eager to participate, and engaged in the process. Learn from the attorney whisperer herself, your host, Sari Delamont. Well, hello, hello, hello. Today we are talking about the secret hack to motivation. And I'm not talking necessarily about motivation with jurors. I know you, we talk a lot about that in terms of your job is to motivate, not to persuade, blah, 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 blah. I'm talking more about how to motivate yourself. Now, parts of what I've talked about today, I've talked about in other podcast episodes, but I thought I would do a special episode to really highlight this brain hack, which is what it is, to basically get yourself to do anything in your life. Here's what you have to understand, and this one may be a short one, but that's good because the brain likes short. The brain is a pleasure-seeking missile. It is going to look for anything that is easy and pleasurable. That is why watching Netflix over going to the gym or eating Cheetos instead of your chicken salad is such an easy thing to do. Now, our attempt to override that has been a variety of things. Primarily, it, the number one way we've tried to avoid that is we try to force ourselves to do things. So we just have this kind of hustle culture mentality, no pain, no gain. Life should be hard. Life is hard. Just just do it, like Nike says, right? Just we force ourselves. Now, if you've read anything about willpower, you will know that willpower is limited. We do not have a never-ending source of willpower. And once it is exhausted, we will go right back to the habits that our habit brain has created and we start over again. This is why diets don't work. This is why a lot of the things that we try to do doesn't work because we're relying on willpower, which is the worst way to attempt to change anything in your life. The second thing that we've attempted to do to motivate ourselves to do anything that we want to change in our life or whatnot is we try to punish ourselves. So instead of just like forcing ourselves, we go, listen, if I don't do this, then I'm not going to get to go and see my friends or I'm not going to be able to eat the dessert that I planned. I only get to eat that if I did this or I've got to be hard on myself. This is where the saboteur comes in. We think that, you know, I was just doing the, the keynote that I've been talking to you all about. And, and we, we tend to ask in the keynote, why are we so hard on ourselves in the first place? And I believe it's because we think if we're not hard on ourselves, that we will just dissolve into this lazy puddle of complete and utter lack of motivation. And so on some level, we think we have to be hard on ourselves. I mean, look at... I was going to say, go and look at parenting boards or comments on parenting. <laughs> we blame everything on parents nowadays. There was something about 
you know, kids that grew up in the 70s and all the comments on that on Facebook the other day were like, we were raised right. We had our bottoms spanked. We had tough rules. We obeyed our parents. And so there's this big thinking about how if we are hard on our kids, if we punish them for when they're bad, if we we have this authoritarian parenting, that that is the answer to society's ills. Guess what? Research shows that's also not true that we need to be authoritative, right, assertive in our parenting, but that if we are an authoritarian, that is actually detrimental to children. It does not help them change their behavior or grow up into the adults that we all guess think we are nowadays. We always look back fondly, but I actually think our parents didn't care if we lived or died. Some of the things that ha were happening in the, in the 70s and the 80s, like the asphalt and the metal slides and the things. But the point is, is that this whole punishment culture is also not helping us motivate. So what happened in the 80s and 90s then? Or even today, now we went to a rewards culture. We went all the way to the other side. We're going to reward kids for doing things. For example, we're going to give them stickers if they potty train. We're going to give them uh, pizza if they read books. We're going to give everybody participation trophies, all of the things. There's a fantastic, if you're a parent or an educator on any level, you must read literally anything that Alfie Cohn has, has written, but he has a fantastic book called Punished by Rewards, and it's all research-based. He's got so many research studies in there that blow the idea out of the water that rewards work. In fact, what he found in that book is that rewards do the exact opposite of what we want them to do. The whole Pizza Hut and reading thing that was real popular in the 80s and 90s, the research shows that it caused kids to read less. They went and they looked at incentives in companies like win this trip if you're the most top salesperson they found people sold less and when they looked at why they the brain did a really funny thing when it came to reward when we have to offer a reward to something that is intrinsically satisfying on its own which for example reading is or doing a job well done is that's intrinsically rewarding when we add a reward on top of that, whether it's pizza or a vacation to Hawaii, the brain goes, oh, this must not be a worthy pursuit. And it wants to do it less. So if we are doing this, pushing ourselves, punishing ourselves, rewarding ourselves, if those three things that society has cycled through for years do not work to motivate human behavior, what does? Well, the answer is pleasure. The secret hack to motivation is to enjoy what you're doing. That's it. That's the hack. You will exercise if you enjoy the exercise that you're doing. You will meditate if you get hooked on the, the feeling that it feels like when you're done meditating. I have, I, you know, I was looking at things I wanted to change in my life. I'm like, oh, I'm so like unmotivated. And then I started writing down all the things that I do 
naturally as habits right now. I, you can ask my husband, Kevin, or even my daughter, I stretch every single night before bed without fail. In fact, last night I couldn't sleep and I realized I didn't stretch and it was like midnight and I got up and I stretched. So I was like, oh my God, I forgot to stretch. I was having a, a sleepover with my daughter. It's something that I do. Now, do I particularly love stretching? Not necessarily. It's, it's painful. I have very tight muscle groups due to trauma and other things that happen with my body. It's not particularly exciting. It takes a good 10 minutes to stretch all the body parts. But I am so addicted to the feeling. It's almost like a euphoric feeling when I lay in bed after stretching that I miss it when I don't have it. So I'm not suggesting that always the actual thing you're doing is going to give you the pleasure. But pleasure has to be involved somehow. This is why Kevin and I have created lives where we do very little, if any, have to's. We rarely look at our life and go, well, I have to do this or I have to do that. If it's something that we do not want to do or that feels like a have to, we either delete it and we just stop caring about it or we hire it out. We have somebody else do it. Because we know that if we're going to live the kinds of lives that we want to live, we're going to be living as much as possible. 80% is where you need to start, by the way. I'm thinking 95 and more of the, the activities that we do are in the want to space. And if you are thinking to yourself, everybody has to do things that they don't want to do, that they, that we all have to do things. My question to you is, where the hell did you get that idea? Maybe at some points in our life, yes. Maybe when you're starting out your, your business, you have to do things that you don't necessarily love doing or not pleasure seeking. But even there, even back when I was writing marketing copy and all the stuff that I'm, I think I'm pretty terrible at. A lot of people be like, you're actually really good at it. No, I hated it. It was still was, was, was connected to pleasure because I loved growing my business. So even there, there were t things in my business that people said I should do to grow it that I knew that on any level I would not like. Even if they were good for my business, I was like, hell to the fuck, no, I'm not doing that. Because there was no pleasure piece. See, to me, it makes way more sense to work with our brains than against our brains. The brain does not like being using willpower because that's not a finite resource. I mean, it is a finite resource. There's not uh, enough to go around. The brain certainly doesn't like punishment. And as we've just found, the brain doesn't even like rewards. What the brain likes is pleasure. That's how it's wired. Now, when we think about this, I want you thinking about three things that you can do to feel good. The first one is know what brings you pleasure. Corinne Crabtree, who is my weight loss coach, in one of her lessons years and years ago, I don't even know if it's in her course anymore, but I remember her asking this in one of her lessons, maybe it was a podcast. And she said, I want you, meaning us women who are in her program, I want you to write down 30 things that bring you pleasure. And she was talking about how when she's asked women to do this in a seminar or wherever she's working, she's like, after women write down two or three things, and, mo and at least one of those three things is food or alcohol, they just stop. Most people cannot write down 30 things that bring them pleasure because we are not used to welcoming that in our lives. I talked about in the last couple podcasts about how y'all don't like to celebrate. 
there's something hedonistic that we've 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 learned in this in this that it's bad to want to feel good <laughs> that if we feel good that somehow we're going to become lazy and horrible so that would be my first thing is figure out what does bring you pleasure and have that be things that are not just immediate. I mean, food can bring you pleasure, but if that's all food and alcohol is on your list, we've got a problem. Second one, understand the difference between feeling good and buffering. So oftentimes we will do things like zone out on Netflix or eat or drink and we're thinking, this is what makes me feel good. This is what's super pleasurable. When really it's just a way to escape. It's just a way to not be with emotions, like I talked about two podcast episodes ago. Those things aren't actually pleasurable. I remember you know, thinking, oh, I love certain type of food. I don't remember what it is now. And then when I started really tasting it and slowing down and eating it, I'm like, this is shit. It was a habit I had created. I thought it made me feel good. Like extremely fatty foods. I love the taste of them, but my body feels like shit when I eat them. And so they really don't bring me pleasure. There are plenty of things, especially being married to a, a kick-ass chef, that taste good and also feel good in my body. That's where I want to live most of the time. And third, once you figure out what brings you pleasure and that it's not buffering, meaning keeping you away from feeling things, allow yourself to feel it. Build those things into your life. If you are trying to change something, see if you can connect it to something you love doing. If you're trying to exercise and you never exercise, then find something that you do like to do, whether it's dancing or just walking outside or Taekwondo, or it doesn't have to be in a gym, right? If you don't love your job, see if you can get a different one or hire things out or, or delegate. You only have this one life, my friends. If you want to motivate yourself to do anything, because here's the real hack, is that once you're doing something enjoyable, motivation isn't really needed. You're just enjoying your life. It's funny, one of the things I wrote down on my, on my goals for this year is I want to enjoy my life. I want to get off of the rat race of achieving and producing and merely do this thing called enjoy my life. Isn't it the same for you, my friend? Hasn't it been too long before you've actually enjoyed this life that goes by so fast? That's the hack to motivation. Because once you start enjoying your life, you don't need motivation anymore. Love you. Talk soon. Have you ever wished that you knew what the jury was thinking? Well, grab a pen and paper because I'm about to give you instant access to a free training I created for plaintiff trial attorneys called Three Powerful Strategies to Help You Read a Juror's Mind. It's going to help you to understand what the jury is thinking so you'll feel confident to trust them and yourself in the courtroom. Ready for the address? Go to sorryswears.com forward slash jury. Enjoy. Enjoy.